Hello and welcome to this episode of The Lies Podcast. And today we're going to do things a little differently. This is um, this is a hard one. And this is something that actually when I first conceived this idea of The Lies Podcast, this was one of the first things that I wrote down. And again, it's one of those topics where it's so controversial and so difficult to discuss without people getting highly emotional and uh, immediately heading for their sides um, that I've oftentimes debated whether or not I wanted to actually continue on through it. In fact, most of the day today, I was going back and forth. Do I want to talk about this or not? Because it's, uh, it's not easy. It's a painful topic. It's a difficult topic. And uh, I finally came down to, like, do I wish I would have known this sooner? And the answer is yes. I wish I would have known this sooner. My life would be drastically different, I think, if I would have known this sooner. So when someone is brought into a court of law and they're sworn in, you've heard it said, do you swear to tell the truth? the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And this is an important thing because when we talk about the truth, the whole truth, see, because you can tell part of the truth and still be deceptive. See, the truth, the whole truth, you, telling parts of the story without telling all the details can still be deceptive again. So, when somebody says tell the whole the whole truth, well then you, and nothing but the truth, right? Don't add anything else. So I told the truth, I added some untrue details. No, the whole truth, the, the the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So, this is my my challenge as we go into this one. This this is my hope is that that you'll listen, whatever side you may stand on on this issue, uh, politically speaking. That, uh, that you'll listen and uh, you'll consider uh, consider the things that I'm going to talk about today. Because today, on the Lies Podcast, we're talking about birth control lies. Birth control lies. And this has been in the news a lot, especially in this past midterm election, when uh, the big talking point for so many of the, uh, so many of the, the, candidates and uh, I, I saw a number of political uh, commercials on television that were talking about certain candidates desire to uh, to take away the rights of women and in particular of course the abortion issue um, was what was brought up time and time again and this is this is a complicated issue of course honestly um, I've had this discussion with and, and debated this topic with a lot of different people. And, and what I found is typically when I talk about this topic, I really try to take it from, from a legal American constitutional standpoint, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about that so much. And I don't want to talk so much about uh, right and wrong and, and, uh, and those kind of, you know, I, I think I'm going to, as I've said from the beginning on the Lies podcast, that what I want to do is I want to present things from a biblical Christian perspective. And so um, 
I'm not going to get into a big abortion debate. I'm just going to talk about some things that are going to bring kind of us back to that. So again, if that's something you don't want to listen to, you're like, oh, I don't like this topic. This is too, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's too hurtful or it's too, uh, it's too divisive or whatever. Um, I don't want to talk about this, how people normally talk about it, because I think that what I've seen in my life is that is not handled right. It's not handled well, especially by those people uh, from a Christian perspective. Oftentimes what I hear from pro-life people is a lot of yelling about murder. And I think that tone has changed a bit in the past few years, but I, I've still, I still hear this, this yelled out a lot. And, and it's, um, it's challenging to me because uh, of some, some basic things. Well, first of all, let's go back here. And just, there's a, a simple question that things usually go back to when you talk about this topic. And, and again, this is, this is, what I want to talk about today is birth control lies. And I'm not taking it to our usual lies uh, or matrix of truth that I usually work with, but I'm, I'm doing something a little different. So the big question that usually comes up is when you talk about the issue of, of abortion is when does life begin? When does life begin? And of course, there's a reason that this is the, the, the linchpin in the debate because, um, there are those people who will say, oh, the, the pre-born fetus is a lump of cells, or it's a fetus, not a baby, um, on and on. There's all kinds of arguments back and forth. Um, and, you know, there, there'll be those that say, well, you know, it's just a clump of cells. And then the pro-life argument is, well, I'm just a clump of cells. What's the difference? Or, you know, it's human life. And, oh, well, no, it's not. It's not, it's not human life yet or whatever. Um, but I, I'm not, I don't want to participate in that debate. What I just want to say is, what, what does the Bible ta say? What does the Bible say about these things? Does the Bible say that uh, that this is a baby in the womb? And if you look at the Bible and you say, well, let's see what the Bible says, you'll find things like um, in Ecclesiastes 11.5, it talks about a woman being with child. Now, we know that that's what that means. We know. We know what that means, to be with child. It doesn't mean she has a child in her arms. It means she's pregnant. Also, um, in uh, Exodus uh, 21, 22 through 23, uh, you have this discussion about if men are fighting and a woman who's pregnant is, is caught up in it or she's hit by one of them and it causes a premature birth, um, what the consequences will be. Uh, and if, if the baby is okay versus should someone die and and anyway, again, it's true. The baby is treated as a baby. Um, uh, you know, and there, there's there's other spots. You know, Psalms 139, 13. You've got the story of uh, John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth when uh, she meets Mary, and Mary is pregnant with Jesus, and you know the child le leapt in her womb um, when Elizabeth came in contact with Mary. And, and so it's, it's one of those things, again, if you're trying to make a big biblical argument that this is not uh, a human life, it's, it's challenging. And I mean, I, I just don't think you can, I don't think you can legitimately and intellectually honestly do that. 
I think you'd have to get to a spot where you really have to twist the scripture. And again, it's one of those things that I don't think anybody really thought, Hey, let's argue on whether or not this is, this, this is a child or not until it became uh, the abortion debate. But before that, you know, and, and even now, you know, if, if a woman loses her child and, you know, having personally been through this a number of times of, of miscarriages with my wife, there's a grieving process that goes on, you know, because we're grieving for the loss, not of a lump of cells, but a loss of a child. So um, there's, there's pain that goes along with this, you know, and, and, and I've met many women that have struggled and, and men who have gone through this as well, that they talk about the grieving and the loss and the difficulty. So, uh, again, there's I could go into a lot of that, and and I have to really, to uh, I have to really kind of rein myself in and not start arguing um, political cases because I don't want to do that. What I want to what I want to kind of point out today is sometimes there's a lack of compassion on the side of Christians, and I want to talk about some things that kind of go along with that. But before I get to that. I think we can, again, I think we can definitely say that the Bible teaches that, you know, you were knit together in your mother's womb. Um, the The debate usually when you start talking about, about abortion, it, it becomes this debate about when does life begin, right? When does life begin? Some people say, well, when the baby takes its first breath. Others would say, no, uh, when there's a detectable heartbeat. There's others who would say at conception, and as far as I can tell, talking uh, with, uh, well, not talking with, I shouldn't say, because I haven't talked with a whole lot of, of experts in this field, but having read um, some quite a bit about the, the topic that it seems that the, uh, the experts would say that life begins at conception because that's when a separate, a new and separate life begins. It's separate DNA. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so generally the pro-life side goes, well, life begins at con conception. And there's a whole lot of argues, arguments back and forth. I listened today to a, a, a debate between uh, basically a political commentator type person and uh, a member of their audience who was a Christian. And the, the, the Christian was saying, well, we, I don't know when life begins. I know it's alive when it's born, but I don't know before that. And I thought it was an interesting statement. Um, you know, that I don't know. And so there's, there's a, there's something that I cling fairly tight to. And that is this error on the side of righteousness. When you're not sure about whether or not you should do something or whether or not something is okay, whether or not this is a sin or not, the best policy is to err on the side of righteousness. Back when I taught horse training 20 plus years ago, uh, I used to tell my, my students all the time, better safe than dead. You know, this is not a better safe than sorry thing. This is a better safe than dead thing. You know, you do the wrong thing around an animal. You're careless around that, that horse. You can get injured. You can get killed. So there's a reason that we do things the way that we do them. There's a reason we pick up a horse's foot the way we pick it up. There's a reason we approach a horse the way that we approach a horse. There's a reason that we do the things that we do. And I would encourage them over and over, you know, better safe than dead. And, and this comes back to the same thing, you know, error on the side of righteousness. If you're not sure, go with the safest option. 
Right. So when we talk about when does life begin, well, what's the safest option? Well, there's politically expedient options, but again, we're, we're not taking this from a political viewpoint. We want to take it from a biblical viewpoint. And so we would say, okay, this is a human life. The Bible treats the unborn child as a human life. So when does the life begin? Is it at the first breath? Well, I, I think, I think we can safely say no, since, you know, I just read you a couple of verses, gave you a couple of examples that the Bible treats the infant in the womb as well, an infant. And so the question, well, is it with the heartbeat or is it at a certain number of weeks or is it at conception? So what's the safest answer? Well, I think the safest answer is clearly to say, let's treat it as human life from the moment of conception. Prior to that, It doesn't exist, right? It's not until sperm meets egg, there is then the beginning of a new genetic code. And so the safe answer is to say that's when it begins. Because here's the idea that I'm basically trying to bring up. If you were to end a pregnancy early, purposefully, uh, with you know to abort a baby because you say, hey, life begins when it breathes, and you're wrong, well, then you've done something horrible. If you say, hey, it starts at when the heart beats, and so you have you abort the child before you hear a heartbeat, well, if you're wrong, again, you've done something horrible. You've committed what the Bible would call murder. You've taken an innocent life. A, a horrible injustice and a great sin has been committed. And so that's this is the thing we have to take into account. Again, we got to say, well, I'm going to err on the side of righteousness because I don't know, or I'm going to, whatever, whatever is the safest. Why would I take a chance? Why would I even take the chance that what if I'm wrong? Right. And this is one of those things that, that uh, I, I haven't heard it brought up in many debates, but it's the question like, what if I'm wrong? Well, if I'm wrong, and life starts later, well, it, it really makes no difference. As far as the child being born, obviously it's going to drastically alter um, the life of the parents and everybody that it comes in contact for the rest of its life. Um, just as the life will be totally different and the person's life will be totally different who makes it a different choice. Um, but the point being that if I'm wrong, no, no crime has been committed. If you are wrong, say you're taking the other viewpoint, then a great crime has been committed. So that's kind of the starting point, right? This is the point I want to start with. And again, taking this from a Christian perspective, if you're not a Christian today, um, if you are a non-believer or if you, you know, whatever your, 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 uh, your, religious belief or other or non-religious belief, secular belief, whatever, um, your philosophy, or maybe you are a Christian who just says, well, I don't, I don't believe everything the Bible says. Well, so maybe you're not a Bible believing Christian. So you're not one of those people that, that says, I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And well, okay. So you have to understand where I'm coming from because I'm coming from the understanding or the belief that the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God. And so the Bible says these things that I've shared already about the child in the mother's womb being alive. And so therefore I'm dealing with that as truth, 
And that is what the Bible says. So I want you to understand that so that rather than arguing, you can say, okay, well, if, 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 if we're going to start with that, we're going to start saying, okay, well, the Bible shows or the Bible says that this in the womb is an infant. It might not say exactly when the life begins, but again, and that's my point. I don't know, but I do know it's alive. When does it begin? I don't know, but I'm going to, I, I'm, I lean toward conception since that's what scientists seem to say. And that's what the, uh, the biology seems to say. So I want to be, I want to bring that all up because again, what we're talking about today, what I want to talk about today is birth control lies. Now the first and most obvious lie would be that, that an abortion is a legitimate and safe, um, and, righteous birth control method. In other words, it's perfectly fine in the sight of God. So I just want to, I think most Christians are going to believe, going to agree and say, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not okay with the Lord. Um, there may be some that hold to a more liberal, liberal viewpoint that might argue, but I'm just going to say, okay, that's, that's kind of the starting point. We're going to, this is not a lie. I think most Christians believe but I'm bringing it up at the beginning for a reason. And the reason uh, I'll talk about in a second, but again, my observation has been that far too often Christian people deal with people that are on the other side of this issue that are pro what we would call uh, pro pro choice um, people and uh, we call them, you know, murderers. So you're for child sacrifice, and and they use some very harsh, inviting terms, and they attack, oftentimes, people rather than the ideology. And I don't want to, I don't want to uh, come down as like I'm, I am um, saying we need to be soft with people, or that we need to, you know, we shouldn't use, we shouldn't call it murder, even though I think I already did. Um, what I am saying is this, that we need to have compassion, that we need to also say like, Hey, if you've done this, if you've done this, there's forgiveness. If you've done this and you're carrying weight around guilt and shame, there, there is peace. There is forgiveness. And a lot of times I think we don't want to bring that stuff up because we know that sometimes people hear like, oh, well, I can come to God for forgiveness on that. So I can go do the thing that I know is wrong, but I can come back and get the forgiveness. And so we sometimes forget to, to throw that out there because we think that, hey, if I say there's forgiveness, then people will go do it and then come back and say, hey, God, forgive me. But my point is that we need to have compassion for people. And I think that a lot of Christians don't realize that they've been shown a great deal of grace on the same topic because they've done the same thing in ignorance. So here's the lie. I wrote this down months ago. It says, there are many safe and effective birth control options. There are many safe and effective birth control options. Now, 
Is that the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I have been told by health professionals, doctors, nurses, about different birth control options. But what I've found in my study since is that they did not tell me the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. They told me some things were true, but they left out a whole lot. And a whole lot that they left out made what they said incredibly damaging. There are those um, who think that Christians are anti-birth control. And uh, this came became a big stink a few years back when the Hobby Lobby Corporation said they didn't want to pay for insurance that covered uh, birth control. And they had reasons for that, but they, they you know, it became politicized and it became like, oh, you're trying to take away women's rights and yada, yada. And this is the thing. A lot of people didn't inspect deeper. They didn't ask the questions like, well, why, what's the big deal? Who's getting hurt? Which would have been a great question. Like, oh, no, we just want to take away women's rights. No, we don't want to pay for this. Well, why not? Well, some of it is, well, we don't want to pay for chemical abortions, right? We don't pay for what they would call like the morning after pill, which if you're not uh, aware of how that works, once a egg is fertilized by the sperm and you have uh, this this uh, zygote, right, new life, um, the morning after pill, if a woman says, hey, I've had unprotected sex, I don't want to have a baby, I, I might have gotten pregnant, I don't know. Well, then she can take this pill and it immediately starts her cycle and the zygote is expelled with the uterine lining. So um, if I get my, my medical terms wrong, just remember I'm not a doctor and I don't even play one on TV. But the point being, they didn't, they don't want to pay for that. They don't want to pay for this because if they're, if they say we believe life begins at conception, then this pill that causes the woman to automatically go into her cycle automatically aborts the pregnancy abort meaning to, to ends the pregnancy and we don't want to pay for that because that goes against our belief right there are others who say that any practice of birth control is wickedness that sex is for procreation you may have heard this you may have heard christians say this that's you know that it's it's you know wicked to practice any sort of birth control and they will usually go to one biblical story, uh, the story of Tamar and Judah, how Judah has a son and his son marries a woman named Judah, but his, or sorry, Judah has a daughter, uh, a daughter-in-law named Tamar. His son marries her. His son is wicked and God kills him. And then they, they had a, some called, something called the Leverite marriage where a brother would then, uh, would then go and, marry the daughter and the first son that they had would be count as his older brother's heir. And it was, Hey, we got to keep the family line going because in Israel, the family line wasn't just, Hey, this is my dad. This is my, my grandpa, my great grandpa. The, 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 uh, the nation was divided up by tribe and by family. And so your family's inheritance went from family member to family member. It was your, it didn't just belong to you. It belonged to your ancestors. So if you married somebody and then you died, it would be your younger brother's 
uh, duty if he was not already married to go and to uh, raise up a an heir. So Judah's next son goes and he goes in and he uh, when he's uh, having sex with this woman, when it comes time for ejaculation, he ejaculates on the ground and God says this is wickedness, right? He's not doing what he was called to do, which was to raise up an heir for his brother. So God sees that he's wicked and he kills him. So this happens. And eventually uh, Judah's only got his youngest son left. And he says to Tamar, hey, my son is just a boy. It's going to be years before he becomes a man and is able to do this. Why don't you just go home and, you know, just go home to your father's house. Well, eventually, you know, Tamar realizes that Judah, uh, he's never going to. He's never going to have his son marry her. So she goes and, you know, it's a crazy story where she dresses up as a prostitute and gets pregnant by her father-in-law. And um, anyway, uh, has, has, uh, uh, has, ends up having twins. Um, anyway, people will bring up that story and say, well, the wickedness was because this guy was supposed to impregnate her and he didn't, he ejaculated on the ground and that was wickedness. But that's not really, it's, it, it's not wickedness because he practiced some, this, birth control it's not that's not why it was wicked it was wicked because he was he was supposed to be raising up an heir in his brother's name and he instead was just using her and that was the wickedness uh and i'm sure there was other wickedness as well but it's not that he practiced birth control because the bible doesn't just speak of sexual intercourse as a means of procreation while that is definitely spoken of you have like the entire book of the song of solomon that talks all about that stuff and it's not about procreation um anyway i, I don't want to go into a whole bunch of that but that's you may have heard people say that 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 if any type of birth control is um is wickedness so here's the thing what most people don't know is how birth control works like birth control pills work they're just told, like, it works, right? This is contraception. Um, now, there are barrier types of birth control. So you have things like condoms and diaphragms, things that are a barrier between the sperm and the egg, right? So that the egg is never fertilized, barriers. Um, there are also uh, those things that will, um, they're like spermicides, right? So this, again, the sperm doesn't reach the egg because it's killed prior. Um, I don't think you have any problem with those things as a Christian because they are not, um, there's no conception, right? If life begins at conception, there is no conception with those things. Now, there are other types of birth control that do things like um, create a thicker mucus layer so that the sperm can't pass through um, the cervix and, and impregnate the woman. So there's no conception. The problem is, that a lot of birth control pills don't do those things. They, the, the question that you have to ask, right? And, and nobody seems to clue people in on this. At least I was never clued in on this is that the question to ask your medical professional, your doctor, your nurse, whoever is to ask this question, does this birth control method prevent conception or does it prevent implantation? Okay, so again, if life begins at conception, we want to be careful that we don't end a life after conception. We don't want to we don't want to uh, bring about the uh, the end 
of that life. And again, this is with the idea of, hey, life might begin at conception, life might be within the heartbeats. We don't know, but better, better to play it safe, right? We're going to go with conception, which I, I believe, again, that's, that's my personal belief that the science points to that. So the question is, then, does this birth control prevent implantation? Now, what that means is that there are certain birth controls that will keep the fertilized egg, once it is fertilized, will keep that the, the zygote, the, eventually the fetus, from attaching to the, to the woman, right? Because eventually there is the umbilical cord. And again, if my science is uh, rudimentary, that's because my science um, is rudimentary. So the problem is this, that many, and maybe even most from my research, of birth control options do not prevent conception. They prevent implantation. There are even things like what's called uh, intrauterine devices, IUDs, which are very common. But an intrauterine device basically is something placed in the cervix so that, um, and I have some experience with uh, with uh, cervixes as a former um, stallion handler and uh, working at a, in, in horse breeding. Um, if you push something uh, like we would we would take a pipette through a horse's cervix is rather hopefully this isn't too graphic and then we would through that pipette we would inject sperm that we collected and that was a way of impregnating the horse um, but if you felt that that you it, but before you did that you wanted to in, in this you know it's a horse so it's big so you'd reach in and you could feel whether or not the cervix was open or closed and it, and it was very obvious uh, closed cervix felt like a hot dog because it was tight. And if you reached in there and felt that, you would say, okay, this this mare might already be pregnant or she's just not, um, it's not her uh, estrus season. So, but if she was pregnant and you were to force that pipette in through that cervix, you would you would cause the the end of that pregnancy. You would abort that, that, uh, that pregnancy. And of course, we didn't want to do that. So, the way an IUD works is it's basically a device that's placed in the cervix to keep that um, the, the keep to keep the implantation from taking place. So the problem is if you were practicing a birth control method that um, prevents implantation, what it means is that every time there's a fertilized egg and conception takes place, which means there's a new life that that new life is then in, in air quotes, naturally expelled. So basically you're taking a medication or using a device to abort that, that uh, baby um, before it was able to implant. So while it's still tiny, um, and, and again, this is one of those things that I think that I know I was greatly unaware of. I, I didn't know this stuff. None of my medical professionals told me, hey, um, where do you stand on this issue? They just said, here's your options. They didn't explain the options. Nobody said to me, hey, you need to consider this. I never heard in church a pastor uh, or a Bible teacher, anyone saying, hey, you need to be careful as a young couple. You need to be aware. 
if life begins at conception, that you are very careful in your choice of birth control methods. Because if you are practicing one that prevents implantation, you're aborting that, you're aborting that baby. And it's heartbreaking to me to look back and say, I don't even know. I don't even know what kind of birth control pills my wife was on when we first got married. I don't even know. And this was something that really struck me um, probably a year before my youngest daughter was born because I, I started to understand these things and I, and I came across some, um, some information and, and it broke my heart because I said, here I am, a person who is very adamantly um, pro-life and yet what have I been doing? What have I been a part of? And, and I don't share that to break your heart, to make you say, oh my gosh, what have I done? And that was one of the reasons I, I was so debating whether or not I should even share this because it's such a painful thing to, to think, oh my gosh, this is something I've been chanting, something I've been screaming at people, don't murder your child. And wait a minute, if I've been saying it doesn't matter how big the life is. Right. Because that's one of the things that as a pro-life person, I would say, they would say, well, you know, when does life begin? And they'll say, well, you know, uh, at eight, mo eight months. So you're telling me at seven months and 29 days, it's not alive, you know, because the, the argument, the pro-life argument is you're saying that the age matters. So is, is that what we're just saying? It's it's human life as more valuable depending on how old it is. Well, no, it, you know, it's not, you know, you know, so, so the problem is I realized I was very, I was very guilty by my own standards, which is a heartbreaking thing, of course, to say, oh my gosh, I have inadvertently, I have foolishly done something horrible and maybe many times. And I caught myself today saying, hey, I don't want to do this because I know somebody's going to hear this and go, oh, my gosh, I've done that. Oh, my gosh, I've been a person who I've done the, oh, my gosh, what have I done? And I don't say it to break you. Because here's the thing. If you know the Lord, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's forgiveness. There's restoration. And he's paid the price for it. It doesn't change how he sees you. It doesn't change his love for you. And maybe you're a person that willfully and knowingly has, has participated in this. You're thinking like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And maybe you're saying today, God could never forgive me. Well, let me tell you this also, that this is another lie. The lie that God can never forgive you. Because here's the beautiful thing. Jesus died on the Christ, He just died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. And he already did it. Where sin abounds, the Bible says, grace abounds more. You can't out-sin him. You can't say, Well, I've I've done this horrible thing. God can never forgive me. Now he already he, he's already paid the price. The offer of forgiveness is already there. And you say, Well, I how could he forgive me? Look what this horrible thing I've done. Well, you see, here's the beautiful thing is that God's love for you is not based on what you've done. It's based on who he is, his character, his nature, who he is. For The Bible says that God is love. And so when you say, ah, 
How could he love me? Well, because that's who he is. How could he forgive me? Well, I'll tell you how he could do it. By dying on the cross for your sins and for mine. So that you don't ever have to wonder, will God forgive me? Have I, have I, how could, does God still love me? Or could, do, does God love me? No, I know. And you should know because he died on the cross for you. He laid down his life for you on the cross. And so sometimes the truth breaks us. Sometimes the truth breaks our hearts because we see, oh my gosh, what have I done? And when we're broken before the Lord, we generally come with two, two place, one of two places. Either a place where we want to hide, right? When we're confronted with our sin, where we say, I can't go to him. I can't go to I, I, I And we run and we hide. And when we read the story of Adam and Eve, it's so easy to ridicule them, right? They, they, there they are. God tells them, gives them one rule: don't eat from that tree. They do it, and what do they do? They hide. They hide, right? They're trying to stay away from the Lord. They're trying to. They, they, they recognize that the sin has has brought this this separation. But there's another choice. The other choice is to fall at His feet, broken, and say, "God, I need you." God, forgive me. And that's when he wraps you in, in his loving arms and, and whispers to your, whispers in your ear, whispers to your heart, my child, you're forgiven. And maybe you've been beating yourself up over something you've done for that you did 20, 30, 50 years ago. Well, I tell you today that, that Jesus is there with arms open wide saying, come to me, come to me. I know. I know what you did. I know what you've been through. I know the heartbreak it's brought. I know the pain. I know the damage. I want to bring healing. I want to bring restoration to your soul. Come to me. Lay it at my feet. And if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't received that forgiveness, I, I, I would challenge you today to, to turn to him and say, God, I know I'm not good enough. You know what I've done. You know the sin that I've committed. So, Lord, forgive me. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross to pay the price for my sins and rising again. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice you made that you might redeem me, that you might restore me that you would forgive me. So God, I receive that. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. God, forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes it, for, for so many people, it's such a hard thing to do because we're so aware of our own guilt. So my hope for you today is this. Maybe, maybe three things. First of all, if you're already, if, or if you're using some sort of birth control and you're not aware, hey, does this, does this, does this prevent conception or implantation? That you'll find out, that you'll stop and say, well, I need to know. I need to know because I don't want to be, I don't want to be having a life conceived and then having a chemical 
or a device ending that new conceived life. I don't want to do that. So that you'd find out. That's one thing. Another thing is that you would share, that you'd share with those people, young young couples that are about to be married, that you'd share with your kids like, hey, this is these are the options, but they're not going to tell you. They're not going to tell you all the details. So you need to ask, you need to find out because there's a big difference between between things that uh, that prevent conception and implantation. You know, so much time they call it, you know, contraception, but it's not really. It's not that you're just trying to stop conception. That's not what the what the drugs do because they've changed their whole idea of when life is or what if if you know, their whole goal is don't have a baby. And they don't ask to say, "Hey, do you not want to have a baby or, or do you really do you understand what life, when life begins, where do you think life begins? Anyway, that's my second thing is that I would hope that, that you would share this with. And, and the third thing is I, I, I hope that, that uh, you would have compassion, that you'd have compassion and, and that you'd realize that, man, there are a lot of women out there that have secretly had abortions um, that, that they they've been haunted by and some of our language that we use is so so powerful and so pointed that they're they're never going to come to the church because they feel like the church is constantly attacking them and pointing at an old wound and calling them the worst names in the world and some of them are calling themselves those names already and so I don't really know if there's an answer for how you deal with it. How do you how do you say this in a way that shows compassion, but also is presenting the truth? But I know it's, for me, there's a whole lot of question marks in my past of how, did I do this? How many times was this? How many times? How many times did the medical decision I made? that my wife and I made together without being given the full information led to a horrible result that we're completely unaware of. I don't know. And it breaks my heart. So the good news, the good news is there is restoration, that there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ, that there's no condemnation in him that we can come to him with our broken hearts, that we can come to him with our horrible sins and lay him at his feet and find ourselves in the loving arms of our Savior. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time.